Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. Welcome back. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm here along with my guy, Wilkie V. Law, for episode four of season two. Will, what's good? Man, I'm chilling, chilling, man. Right now, just enjoying life. Thankful that our home didn't get damaged and well, didn't get much damage. We got a little bit of water in, but not much from all the tropical depression emailed. Not a hurricane, not a tropical storm, but a depression wreaked havoc on Houston, man. It's last weekend, last week. Um, I I read I read somewhere that didn't they get like some spots like 40 inches of rain again in three days. Yeah. 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 From Tuesday to Thursday, it was ridiculous, man. It was just unreal amounts of water. Um, I mean, it was unreal. And again, you know, the the thing we've been saying is this wasn't even a major hurricane. It wasn't a tropical storm like Dallas. And it was a depression. It almost did like what Dorian did, where it just kind of set over us and just rained consistently. Um, like for for three whole days, there was never a time that it was just no rain. It was always a light drizzle of some sort with a bunch of downpours. And then it was like, we didn't get the worst of it. You know, our neighbors down um, to the east, southeast, uh, going out to Beaumont, uh, got hit pretty bad again. Um, some places um, here in Houston, the water's, you know, you know, 12, 13 feet. Um, you know, one of a bunch of our friends, you know, out in Kingwood, their homes are flooded again for the third time. You know, it is just, man, they don't call us a Bayou City for nothing, you know, come par with the courts, but there has to be something done to try to fix that. So, yeah, man, it's glad, glad everybody's, you know, safe and, but, yeah, man, it's just scary. Scary to think it about. It um, is. It is. But you know what? Like I tell everybody, you know, we don't have the loss of life, loss of life like like um, it could have been. And so, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for. You know, you know I, I saw a funny story. There was, did you see the story that a guy who got stuck at, Whataburger on it was like I 45 and cross timbers. Like, apparently, he just like went out somewhere when he was stuck at Whataburger and caught a four pound largemouth bass while he was stuck at Whataburger. Like, started fishing a bayou or something. I didn't read the whole thing. 
I can believe it. Even the reservoir next door to us, it's normally empty. And there were fish swimming in the reservoir when uh, when it overflowed. Uh, so, I mean, it would not be surprising. Um, I don't know what Houston and Harris County is doing with their uh, floodplain. You know, it's um, and they flood the water table that's underneath. Um, the, it runs in the ground. But there's no reason for the flooding to happen the way it is. Man, it's just ridiculous right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, and that, you know, not to jump political, I know it is um, it is an election year for her here in Houston for for mayor and a lot of the city council people. Um, we do, we just got to do better. We got to make a commitment to uh, to secure in our city as far as what it looks like when this type of rain happens and not try to be reactive once it happens to actually be, be proactive and engage us. Like 12 years we've been in, in this area and we've only, we've only this time we got water that was almost halfway up our driveway and you've been here. Mm-hmm. Our house sits up high. You know, we're probably one of the highest points in the, in the um, neighborhood being right next to the reservoir. So we know all the water comes to us, but I mean, We've never flooded in the streets the way we've done it. You know, you got two feet of water in the middle of our street coming up our driveway. Um, but it's like I said, no loss of life. You know, everybody's well, but now it's time to answer some questions and, and hold our elected officials to to the fire for, for what they're saying they're going to do. Right. right so, man. didn't mean to get all political. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's on... <laughs> I mean, it's on your mind, and we gotta, you know, clear that stuff up before we get into the topic. We don't want to be distracted by that. But I mean, it's it's what's going on. It's what happened, and uh, it's what's happening. I should say, you know, this Saturday. Yeah, it's what's happening in the age. This, you know, it's Saturday. This is gonna go out tomorrow, so it's it's really pressing on our minds. So, um, to get into or a continuation of where we've been. You know, our first episode, we talked about, um, you know, setting culture and setting ex, uh, intentions and expectations, our first couple episodes, and um, just being intentional. Last week, we talked about building that relationship with your colleagues. So today today, and, and continuing the next couple of weeks, we want to talk about building relationships with our admin, our parents, but today we want to focus on on the students because... You know, I'm three weeks in. You're like four, five or six weeks in. That it's you know, you're have you've had some. We both had some bumps and bruises with the kids, and it's important that we focus on how we can improve those relationships. So, um, in your opinion, where do you think that starts when talking about student and t- to teacher relationships? You know, I think it starts with, and I know it's going to sound. Like we're kind of always going back to the same thing, but I I, I really think it starts with the teacher, and um, maybe that's an episode we need to do the teacher's relationship with themselves, um, mm. uh, because I think that's where it starts. Is you can't be um, anything for your kids unless you're it for yourself first, um, and so um, that. I think it starts with the teacher and being authentic to who you are, bringing that sense of authenticity to the classroom and and consistently 
demonstrating who you are to the students. Um, right now, we live in a, in, in a society where kids, they, you know, they shoot for, um, you know, they, they're, 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 they're looking for likes. They're looking for followers. They're looking to follow people. Um, so you almost have to give them something to like or something to follow. And I know people hate to hear that. You know, I hear a lot of veteran teachers saying, well, I'm not here for them to like me. You know, I'm here to teach them. And, and we know that, that the two goes hand to hand. You know, I, it's hard to receive instruction from someone you don't like. It's very difficult to even receive instruction from anyone you don't like. And so I think um, that teacher being comfortable enough in their skin to present who they are to, to their students is very key. Very yeah. key. You know, and, and in that, I'm just trying to, you know, I had a moment yesterday in that point of, you know, when you're referencing students are just looking for likes and looking to stand out. There was a moment yesterday after uh, we had not a, a, a student in one of my periods was really struggling and she was getting frustrated with the expectation and, and what was going on. And there were several people that were there trying to help her. And she had just gotten to the point where she was so frustrated that she just like couldn't process things. So later on that day, I saw one of the students that was in that group trying to help her outside of our restroom. And, you know, we both happened to go into the restroom and we were talking about it. And the student just said, Hey, you know, Mr. K, I really appreciate that you were trying to help and that you stuck by her. And you, you know, you didn't get mad when she was, you know, getting spun up. And, you know, I said the same, I like, I really appreciate, you know, we're trying to help. We'll get it figured out. And there happened to be another student in the restroom. And that student who was not a part of the conversation went out and told the, the female student that was kind of the center of the conversation that we had been talking about her well. with the hope of, you know, dropping some bomb or getting likes or being the cool kid. And it was a situation to where then I had to go to that female student and just say, Hey, you know, this, you know, the, the, the male student and I, we, we saw each other last period. We were just talking about how much we appreciated the other's work in trying to make the situation better. And she was like, okay. So I had to diffuse a situation that I shouldn't have had to diffuse because a student was going after that like. As you right. Said. And I think, but I think it comes back to, you know, those first, and, and I know I may get flagged from people, but I believe your first six to eight weeks of school should be your most difficult weeks of school with your students. You're learning them, they're learning you. And if we go into it with the intention that we automatically know how a student is because we know how a student responded before in the past, we're gonna miss the big picture of what we're doing. Um, it's our jobs to learn our students. 
we have to learn our students just as well as our students have to learn us. And that process, think about it. You don't just meet somebody and all of a sudden, instantly you become friends. You have a conversation with them. You get to know their hearts. Whereas adults, we know how to present that a lot faster um, than children do. Children are not going to present their heart to them. Matter of fact, they're going to guard it. They're going to lock that joker up and they're going to put the key somewhere safe to where you can't get it. And the only way I'm going to open up is when you, when I trust you enough for me to take the key and open it up and open up to you. And it doesn't come easily. Um, and that's one of those that's, that, that's, that speaks to the fragility of that teacher-student relationship. I think way too many times teachers are trying to be the cool kid or the cool teacher. And I want the kids to like me. And I don't want that just to be confused and say, you're going to school to get kids to like you. But your personality has to be one that is really undisputable of what your expectation is and why you're here. So that you can know every action that I do is designed around my expectations for you. And I think that that is, um, kids are going to be kids. That's done, period. Kids are going to be kids and they're going to try to see, they're going to do whatever adults around them allow them to do. And sometimes we get ammunition in kids and we don't know it. That's truth. Um, <laughs> you know, I think about some of the situations that I've, I'm, I'm having now to grab my fire extinguisher and try to try to put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say the realization that we, you know, we were talking about before we got on was that you just really have to set an expectation of what the culture and what the learning environment looks like. Um, as so that the learners can understand that if it's not lining up with this, then it's not happening. Right. You know, my, my old pastor used to always say, um, you don't have to ask my permission if it lines up with the vision. Right. You right. know, and I think that's where we have to get our kids to the point to where it's like, I shouldn't have to tell you to correct your behavior if it's not lining up with our expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you and I were talking about this yesterday afternoon when we um, had a quick conversation that I went into my class saying to my students, you know, I'm going to let you pick your seats. And until you prove to me that you can't handle it, I'm going to let you continue to do that. But after three weeks now, I've seen that it's become you know, the, you know, the stick that I want to wave at them and it's just going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my heart and my head were in the right place with it. Cause I do have one, one class who sits where they've chosen and they work hard, they're doing great. And I don't know that I need to change them, but my other three are continuing to push Like you said, their, their kids being kids are pushing the boundary. Mm-hmm. So now I have to step back and and reset the expectation and just say, you know what? I made a mistake by giving you this much latitude. Explain to them why that that's a mistake and explain to them why they're getting new seats when I said that they could pick. And um, like you said, I'm going to take flack from them because they're going to say, well, you said we could pick our own seats. Well, 
here's the reasons why I don't think that fits with the expectations. And, and, you know, you came, you and I were talking earlier this week as well about respect the learning environment, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. setting that as, as the expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's, but it, you know, when you, I, I often tell teachers and I tell teachers this all the time, I learned real quick to throw threats out of the window. I'm not going to threaten you with what I'm going to do. I'm going to state to you what the consequences of the behaviors are. So, you know, I said it in the beginning of the year. My year was I wanted kids to choose which because I have groups of four. All my, my room was grouped up in groups of four. I have eight groups of four. And I told my kids. I want you to be able to mix and match with people as you learn who works more like you as we go throughout this year. You know, and, and you know, I even put it out as a challenge. I say, sit with different people to force me to really know your name and not know your location. Because you know, as a, when you're taking role, it's easy when you know kids are in a certain location. I know this kid's here. I know he sits here. I know he's here. I know she's there. So you learn them based on location, not based on who they are. You know, and I wanted to learn them by who they are. In my first period class, they went as that man. Like they, I think we we have not had one day where we've had all groups the same every single day for a week already. Like they constantly are moving and adjusting themselves, even entire groups getting up and moving from one location and sitting in a different set of groups. And I told the kids, the expectation is don't come in here and saying, Oh, they're in my seat because we don't have assigned seats. Now, if you want assigned seats, we can assign them. But I'm giving you the freedom to move wherever you want to. So if somebody takes your seat when you get there, that means you should get to class a little faster. <laughs> and But however, the flip side is that is that one of my other two classes couldn't handle that. They couldn't digest it well. So I didn't threaten them with, we're going to change your seats. The expectation was, if you can't handle this, we're going to move to this. So I don't have to explain anything to you. Come in, okay? Everybody keep your stuff in your hands, standing up against the wall. I need you three right here. I need you right here. I need you, you, you right here. And I separated the class based on sitting, doing that. And we've had to make minor tweaks, move one, two students here or there, but it's made all the difference in the world. Um, but we talked about it before. It's like, we can't redirect a kid for their behavior consistently and think that's going to work, especially not when you have anywhere between 20 to 30 kids in a classroom. Then you're constantly redirecting 20 to 30 kids or even five to six kids or even two kids is too much. Mm-hmm. I'd rather redirect the entire class to the expectation so that the class constantly hears what the expectation is. And those members in that group, what eventually will happen is they'll start holding each other accountable. You know, they, like it's not a target for any one person. I'm not targeting you. Don't don't say, well, I don't like you. No, nope, I'm gonna high five and bring the same energy with every single kid in my classroom. And I told the kids, see, if 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 I have an issue with you, you and I are gonna have a conversation because I believe life is too short to to let stuff build up for too long. I want to get to the bottom of it. I don't want to, you know, you know, I asked one student, you know, who kept, kept coming at me, kept, kept coming at me. 
and I asked him a question, what is it about me that reflects something in you that you don't like? Because that's the only reason that I can understand that you're not understanding what I'm trying to do here. And the student started crying and said, I never thought about anything like that before. Since then, I have not had a problem with the student. So you know what I mean? So it's like you, when you redirect to an expectation and constantly check kids, again, I get away with stuff that most people probably say, oh, you get away with this because of your personality type. Exactly. I know me. So I know what I can say and do for a kid that's going to make a difference. Will it work for everybody? No. You know, some kids, you know, one of my kids in my classroom talked to their parent. The parent told me, oh, yeah, he's already told certain teachers, bleep, 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 bleep. And I know I'm on them more than those teachers are. I say, well, no, I haven't had that. <laughs> you know, hadn't said that to me. It's gotten frustrated. They've shut down, but they haven't said that to me. And, and the parent was really surprised. And they said, they must really like you. Because by now, they would have. I apologize that we have to take this short break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast, but we have news that's so important we just couldn't wait to tell you. Because we believe in it, and because they believe in us, we were able to partner with Nearpod to provide you a free opportunity and discounts on your chance to use the Nearpod platform. Now, what is Nearpod? Glad you asked. Nearpod is an online teaching platform that we can house our lessons, we can create presentations, and they have the most incredible bank of pre-created lessons and curriculum that is there for you to sample depending upon what level you choose. So if you go to the link that's in our show notes, I'm going to give it to you right now, it's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. You have the opportunity to sign up for free, plus get huge discounts on their gold and their platinum memberships. And for a few lucky listeners soon, we're going to be giving away gold memberships and one platinum. So keep listening, and we'll let you know when that's going to happen. But before that is, get on, go to go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to check it out. But again, I think creating a space and an environment where it is only the expectations. And you know my classroom. I don't have a lot of rules. I just have three principles, respect, integrity, and pride. So I'm going to constantly redirect you to those things. Are we respecting the learning environment? Integrity says that if I put you in a group and give you group assignments, that you're going to do it no matter what. And what you submit to us is going to be the pride and the best of what you can do. That is what I redirect to consistently because that's what I want my classroom culture to be. I don't want, my, I don't want an extinguisher environment. Then it's filled up with smoke. I'm putting out a bunch of little bitty things. I'd rather the whole class douse for one situation. You know, you douse it with enough water, the smoke is going to give you a big plume and it's going to go away. But when you keep having to hit things with that extinguisher over and over, you got these little smoke things that are brewing. They could come up. No, my class is going to be a tidal wave. Douse that out for them. Mm-hmm. You know, even to the point where you have to check some kids, but like, hey, chill out, chill out. I got it. I got it. I appreciate your zeal, 
You know, everybody does. <laughs> you know, you got some kids who who take that personally. Like you, you're attacking a teacher that I that I'm that I'm caring for. Hey, let's you know. Hey, no, I don't need you to mix it up with me. We're gonna deal with it in this authority. But you know, that's some kids' mindset already that the culture to them means so much that I'm not gonna let you come in here and do something different, even if it means me putting myself outside of the culture to keep keep you in check. You know, to me, that's a huge step as an educator to, to see that that's not a kid being unruly. That's not a kid, you know, who's disrespecting the environment. That's a kid who's saying, this is my way of, of kind of putting you in check. And I know I have to, I'll take the hit to do this. And like I say, it, it makes a difference. It, it, it has made the difference 100% to be able to just go back to those principles. Don't have a lot of do nots. Don't do yeah. this. That. And you know the thing is, you've been talking, you and I've been talking about that, and um, about uh, modeling or what you would you say, not modeling, but redirecting to the expectation, and that's something I haven't done. And so, I think it's something that I would have been reluctant to do earlier in my career is to make a change so quickly. Like we're only three weeks in, and I'm going to make that change of the seating because it's not working. And then I'm going to, and it gives me a chance to redirect the entire expectation to reset. Mm -hmm. And that this is the entire expectation now. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's something that it takes for me, especially some, a great degree of humility, Mm -hmm. but um, it takes a large degree of humility for me to be able to do that, but it's the right thing to do. I mean, because what, what's going to happen in the next 33 weeks if I don't redirect the expectation right now? You're running around with the fire extinguisher. You're not, yeah. you're not, you're not able to teach. You're not going to be able right. to teach. Right, and that's, and that's what we're here for. And I should say, man, like on the student-to-student student relate, student teacher relationships, I, I, it's been so fun. My first three weeks have been so fun. So I don't want to make it sound like my – um, students, I don't have a good relationship with them, but it's the typical, you know, it's the typical new guy. It doesn't matter what kind of new guy you are. If you're the new guy, kids are going to, I don't think it's a new guy. every year, every, every year, most teachers are new people. Mm. You know, my kids are new to me every year. So right. it's, it's, I don't think it's a new guy thing. It's a, it's a kid thing. That's what kids do. You know, kids challenge authority. Even the best kids challenge authority. You know, we were just sitting watching uh, the Netflix special on uh, Bill Gates inside Bill's Mm -hmm. brain and -hmm. listening to the stories of his childhood. And it's like, we don't know what's brewing inside of a kid. You know, Bill Gates snapped on his parents. You know, it was rude. You know, they went to family therapy. His dad threw threw a glass of water on him because he yelled at his mom. And this is all before he was a teenager, you know? So he went through this rebellious phase. Yeah, Bill Gates. Right, right. Can't even imagine it. Because we see the finished product right now. And we're saying, I don't, I know that wasn't there. But again, that's kid behavior. I'm going to defy authority. I'm going to I'm going to push the game to see what you're going to get, get let me allow allow me to get away with. It's our jobs as the adults 
to not react to what they do, but to respond with what they do. And responses come from a set of expectations. This is what we're going to do things. This is, this is how we're going to do things. So when I sit and I talk to my entire class because one or two kids are not meeting their expectation and I take that three minutes to address the class, number one, that kid doesn't feel the full wrath of me running over there saying, hey, guys, you need to do this. The entire class feels like, man, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Why aren't, why aren't y'all just doing it? So now it shifts the focus off of, of me getting after the whole class to me saying to the kids, you have my permission to check, check each other, politely check each other. If people are not doing what they're supposed to do, remind them of the expectations. Even if you just got a point, just point to the poster of the classroom principles. Just point to the, to the poster. And I think when you build that type of culture, again, it takes time. It takes more than three weeks. Because you're going to have those kids that are going to come at you. You know, I was looking at a video the other day about big, large horn rams and how the force is like 800 pounds of force when they ram heads with each other. That's what we're getting times however many kids you get you have in your classroom. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, part, on the, the part on the teacher's end is to make sure, number one, your neck is strong enough to handle it. And number two, make sure that you're in a position to where once you once you've done with that, there's a restorative practice, restorative process that goes on so that the kids can understand that this is just this is us establishing our norms. Growing up hurts. And I, I shared that to the kids. It's the reason they call it growing pains. Growing up hurts. We go through phases. I know my nephew was complaining about his knees as he was growing. You know, both of them, you know, one six three now, the other one six six. When they got to a certain point when their bodies were growing faster than, than their infrastructure, all of a sudden it's like my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, my joints hurt, my back hurts, my neck hurts. Not because you're 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 in pain from um injury. But your body is growing and that stretching and, and the tendons are moving and they're having to accommodate larger size and larger muscle mass. It's the same thing we're doing with our classrooms. We have to let the kids know it's not always going to be comfortable for us. It's not going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to, I tell my kids all the time, I say, I, the joke is I tell them, I say, today wasn't an IG day. You know, because I'm like, hey, I want that IG perfect world every single day. I want to be able to post every single class period on, on IG so that the world can see how great you are. And I let them know today wasn't one of those days. You know, that was, this, this wouldn't make my highlight real. This makes the, 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 the studio room where I'm sitting watching, studying tape to figure out what, what, what went wrong. You know, and um, I think, like I said, again, holding that expectation and holding fast to it, never compromising that expectation. Because the moment they see you compromise it, I told you the story about my the hats. I wear hats all the time. And there was a kid who uh, challenged me as to why I get to wear hats in the hallways and they couldn't wear hoodies. And it wasn't rude. It wasn't out of sorts. Uh, it was just, hey, Mr. Law, um, why do you get to wear the hats and we have to take our hoodies off? And I said, you're right. I said, so here's the deal. I say, I'll wear my hat in my classroom because that's my domain. But when I come out in the hallway, 
to work the hallways with the students, I'll take my hat off out of respect of what we're asking you to do. Period. I asked you to tuck your shirt in. So when you see me, my shirt's going to be tucked in. I don't like tucking in T-shirts. I really don't. <laughs> but that's the expectation that's set for me. So if I feel that I'm above the situation, I mean, the expectation, then why should I expect a kid to follow it? You know, why, 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 why? I, I, I'm going to tell you what you should be doing and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And, and we have to get to that point where we, we, we're conscious of what we're casting to our students. Because sometimes we could cast that, that double standard. Oh, because I'm an adult. That would have been my response last year. I'll be honest, because I was challenged last year. I was challenged last year. And, I, and, and when they told me, Ms. Law, well, why do you get to wear hats? And, and I would say, same reason I get to drive to work and you don't, because I'm an adult. Like I, I remember having that yeah. conversation. It's and it's so easy to play the authority card, but I mean, mm-hmm. for me personally, and and for our listeners, what is it? What does it look like in a situation when you're um, coming back to an expectation rather than trying to corral corral behavior? You know, you know, like you're saying. So, can you give like a uh, a, a hypothetical or a situation you had where you like redirect to the expectations versus trying to redirect the behavior. Well, in my classroom, I have a, uh, I have a system. I tell the kids if I stand at the front of the room uh, and I lift my hand up, I should, you should, you should be able to, you should see that. And there should be a ripple of silence that takes place because everybody's not going to see at the same time. But as you see it, you're pointing out to people that I'm up here trying to get your attention because I don't like to yell. I, 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 I think having my own daughter tell me that she despises when teachers yell at kids made me really conscious of, I don't, I shouldn't have to raise my voice with you. Now I, I get passionate, you know, uh, uh, and I, I may elevate my voice, but it's not me yelling at you. It's me. I'm my entire aura is, is getting large at that time. So my voice is matching it. But, and when that doesn't work, I still don't raise my voice. I have a cue. I bought, I bought a wireless doorbell and I hit my wireless doorbell. And that cue should remind you to find me in the room and put your eyes on me. So when I hit the wireless doorbell, I put my hands up or I pat the top of my head. And when the kids don't, I'm, when the kids are still talking, I may just single out one kid in the classroom and say, hey, I'm just curious, can somebody tell me what is the expectation when you hear the bell? And they'll raise their hand. And even while conversation is going on, I may not stop this conversation yet. And I may say, okay, go ahead and tell us. And when they're not stopping for their cohort, I mean, their colleague who's speaking, then I'll say, okay, we got to respect the voice. And they'll say that that means to turn your attention to you, to be quiet. I say, well, are we doing that right now? No. Then what should we be doing? All eyes on you. And the moment that happens, the kids stop and they pay attention. Now, I've had to do that several times. And I love that I have a student teacher so they can see that 
even with even as a veteran teacher, I don't ever want a kid to be in a fear state that I'm afraid of you, so I comply. Right. I don't want that that blind compliance. I want that I understand what you're creating, and I'm 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 all in. Those are two totally different things. Compliance is you can walk into some classroom and you can tell when a teacher has just, as we used to call it, whipping their students in shape. You know, they they got them trained. My thing is, I I shouldn't have to train a kid. I I signed up to teach a kid. And teaching means that they're going to not get it sometimes. Just like with an assessment. Think about it. We give the test. They don't make the mark on the test. We reteach and we reassess. We reteach and we reassess. We assess, we reteach, we reassess, and that's how we keep going and we keep instructing. It's no different when you're teaching things like character things or when you're teaching cultural things in the classroom. That same learning process still goes on. It It doesn't shift. And I think a lot of people get confused because they feel like, I shouldn't have to tell a group of kids, sixth and seventh and eighth graders, to do this and do this. Yes, you should. The fact that you're assuming that you don't have to is the problem. They're kids. Adults don't listen to adults. Think about going to PDs. You've presented. You know, sometimes teachers are the worst. Teachers are the worst students. And I've been one of those teachers that is the worst <laughs> of students. So then again. I always think about this. How would I really want someone to redirect me in a, in a classroom for my colleagues if I was off task? Would I want someone calling me out? Or would I want someone reminding me of the expectation and holding me to an expectation? So in that, to kind of wrap this episode up, how do, how do you see redirecting to expectation versus um, redirecting behavior. How do you see that impacting your relationships? I mean, cause that's ultimately what we're talking about on this episode is creating and building and maintaining, um, and then ultimately leveraging the relationships you have with your students. I think redirecting to the expectation. It does. It, it's, um, my, my old coach, um, just shout out to James Durden, uh, Houston, a plus, uh, for this one, he 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 talked he talked about those high yield strategies, those strategies that you can use that will give you the biggest bang because it kind of keeps going and going and going, uh, and it's so applicable in so many different um, in so many different areas. But when you redirect the expectation, it builds the relationship with the student because you're not singling the kid out. It maintains the relationship with students because. It shows even students who are not involved in that, that you're going to hold everybody to the same measure. You're holding everyone to the same measure. And then it preserves the relationship because, again, you're not singling those kids out and those kids don't feel threatened. Um, they don't feel like you're, you're picking on them. You know, we, we have to understand that that's still a thing for kids. And I mean, and those that turns into adult behavior sometimes and adults start picking on other adults or they start picking on their own kids. And we see it all the time. So um, 
I think it's like I say, it builds, it maintains, and it preserves those relationships because again, it reminds students of what what you're there for, your why. Mm. This is a learning environment. It's not mm. again. I'm the I'm the rapping teacher. I'm the teacher that's gonna you know I'm like that uncle. They call me the funkle because I get my nieces all riled up. As soon as they hear me, hear my voice, they see my face, they walk, they know they're coming to my house. They start bouncing and getting excited because I'm that guy that, that's going to bring that energy like that every single time. So for me, that's the same way I want my kids. I want my kids coming into my classroom, high-fiving me, you know, fist bumping me, you know, getting excited about the lesson, dancing to your seat, dancing while you're doing this, listening to this, do. And in order to keep that type of energy going, you have to have those expectations of when, when it's time, when, when, when you hear my voice and know that this is what we're trying to do, this is what happens. And when I don't single you out for not doing it, I call, I remind everyone what it's supposed to be. Now, again, I've had, had to have had to have conversations individually with students. You know, even so, as you know, one of our biggest issues is dress code. Kids don't want to follow the dress code. Uh, and I've even gone down, allowed my co teach to keep teaching, and I've taken students out on a field trip. And we walk to the expectation posters in the hallway so that they can see this is not Mr. Law picking on you. You just walk by these two posters. Mm-hmm. One is a girl in dress code, one is a boy in dress code. Let's look at what these posters say so that when I'm telling you what the expectation is, this is the standard that I'm looking for because this is what was set for us. Yeah. You know what? And that just reminds me too of myself, like going back and, and really posting our expectations. We're going to finish up the classroom bill of rights on Monday. So I think once those are posted, in the room and I'm going to add, I'm going to add these two to it, you know, respect the, respect the learning environment, respect the voice. And then I can do that to where it it sort of makes setting boundaries. Not so, like you said, not so personal. It's not a personal attack on them. It's just more of, of that environment. So I really appreciate that. So I think we're going to stop here for episode four, but we, uh, we hope you'll tune back in to episode five because we're going to continue this conversation uh, with talking about how we need to build a relationship with ourselves um, to be able to build relationships with our kids. So um, a couple cool announcement things we're doing. If you are in Texas, we would love to see you uh, in San Antonio for either AIE or teach your heart out. That is only two weeks away. We're pretty jazzed about that. And we would also love to see you at TCCA, which is the last weekend in October in Houston, Davis high school. It is a free technology conference. One of the biggest in the state of Texas. Um, I'm not saying Will's going to be in an outfit we're seeing. I'm not saying he's not going to be in an outfit we're seeing. But um, it'll be good. So, and also, Will, do you want to talk a little bit about our uh, relationship with Nearpod? Um, yeah, we're actually giving away um, some gold uh, memberships, and one lucky person will get a platinum uh, membership for a year. Um, so, find us, uh, connect with us, keep keep your keep it on a, on a, on the radar. Um, I'm excited about what's going on with Nearpod and 
the integration of more tools with it. Um, you know, we just discovered that, you know, it could, it integrates with um, Google Slides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can use those same things. Um, and like I say, it just it, it just has me really, really excited about, you know, being a part and being being connected with people who really truly still keep students student um, students at the forefront and at the center of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're doing just that over at Nearpod, um, especially with adding in the more tools and the more things that you can do and the functionality of those things. So, um, yeah, we will be each each time we each conference, TCCA and at um, AIE, we're going to be giving away mm-hmm. um, the gold and the platinum. So, like I say, find us, uh, get connected, and um, go and help change the culture in your classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right, this is episode four, and we are out. Have a great week. <laughs>